What up? It's your girl, Kimberly Elaine, and welcome to the Chronic Abilities Podcast. Now, according to Urban Dictionary, ill is a term to mean cool, dope, or something of a positive nature. So I'm going to flip this chronic illness term upside down, where just because you are ill doesn't mean you can't be dope. Hey, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. We have an awesome podcast. It's going to be something a little bit different, but I think you're going to absolutely love it. I have a friend who I am lucky enough to call my friend and a wonderful person today to interview about an awesome thing called college planning and a cool story about his background of how he got to this position. Stay tuned if you're interested in hearing more. Hello, you guys. Today, we have an awesome guest who I am so honored to call my friend, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. How are you today? Hi, I am really good today. I'm so so glad that we finally got this working and we got you on here because this is going to be great. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Thank you. Yeah, so tell me about how you're doing today. Is there anything exciting going on in your life? Oh, boy. Um... Uh, I guess the self-employed life every day is a Thursday to me, um, but I work from home and I'm surrounded by animals most of the time. So that's, that's always fun. That sounds like everybody's dream job. <laughs> 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 Let's talk a little bit about you. Like just tell a little bit about yourself, what you do and. Well, uh, I live in Fargo, North Dakota, uh, kind of born and raised here, got out twice briefly, but moved back. Um, I was, a uh, formerly a financial advisor for 19 years. I like to say I'm a reformed financial advisor, which is kind of funny. Uh, So I I did that for a long time. And about 10 years into that, I kind of stumbled across college planning, which kind of is its own little small or not so short, embarrassing story. But uh, more recently, I have gotten out of the financial side of it and dropped all my licensing. And now I just do consulting for families and businesses and schools for college planning to show people how to pay less instead of telling them, well, it's expensive. You need more money, which was kind of what I did on the financial side. Wow. Exactly. You know, everyone nowadays, like even me at 34, I'm trying to go back to school and it's like, how do I even go about this? And it's like, I still don't even know, you know? So there's so many people I'm sure that are out there. Like, We'd like to learn know more, but we don't even know where to begin and where to start. So if you have any like options or um, ideas, advice for us about like kind of where we start with the college planning, even if it varies from like younger age, to even older. Okay. That's a good distinction because it's two very different types of conversations we'd be having. So we'll start with the younger, younger kids. Uh, so I consider that anything from junior high and below to newborn or even for those really forward planners, if you don't even have kids yet. Uh, so one of the conversations I have is uh, a family will have either a newborn or if they have, say, $100 extra a week or a month they want to start doing something with, you know, should I part start doing money towards a retirement account or towards college for the kids? And when I was doing the advising, it was a very easy answer. It was just, well, let's split it. We'll go 50-50. Um, but now that I know how things work, financial aid, all the kind of behind the scenes stuff. Um, And they're, I get really weird looks from this when I say, don't say it for college when the kids are that young. Um, 
And the reason for that is that most people aren't fully funding their retirement, especially at that age. Uh, and what happens is when you take that, say, $50 towards retirement, 50 towards college, uh, that college money is most likely going to count against them when they get to school down the road going to college. It's going to cut into the financial aid that they're eligible for. So what happens is if you just put the $100 into the retirement, your retirement is a lot stronger down the road, and you're going to be qualifying for more aid when the student gets to college. So by doing just one side of the equation, you're actually helping both. So like I said, I get weird looks, but once I can explain the rules and how how that is effective to do, people understand. And then, then it's fun from there. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, if they're, if you're looking at say a high school student, um, if they're just starting, say a freshman or a sophomore, we can look at different schools. You know, it's a little early for them to be picking schools because things can change so drastically. Uh, but I'll show them what schools look at. We'll pick say a private school and a public school. Um, cause all these schools report the metrics that they care about for incoming freshmen. So it can give the student an idea of how to build their resume as they go through high school. But I always like to say, you know, never do anything that you're not interested in just to build your resume. That's kind of a waste of your time, which is pretty precious at that point. Um, and then once you get into the senior year, then it's just a constant updating of how to fill out the FAFSA form without making mistakes. Um, actual school selection. And, and this is a, a fun part for me. If I can get involved in the process before the student picks their college, it always works a lot better. Because a lot of people wait till senior year before they call me and then they want help. Um, but if the students already picked their college and then we look at a couple different ones and say they can get a much better value, like maybe even a better education somewhere else, a better school, but it's going to cost, and it could even cost them less. It's really hard to get the student to unpick their favorite because by then they've told all their friends, they made their mental plans. Um, and then it happens a lot where they end up going to a school that costs way more than it needs to. Wow. What age do you think, like what age and like maybe year in school do you think uh, they should start planning for college? So the earlier, the better, uh, but it's always not a practical thing to start super early. But I would say, you know, junior high, start thinking about it for sure. Maybe start taking some steps, but very, very adamant, at least freshman year, start talking about it then. Because that's when you're, you really should be kind of having those talks with the student about money um, kind of setting those boundaries if you only are going to be paying so much and or if you're going to cover it all or none. Um, kind of set those expectations so you don't kind of get yourself boxed in a corner down the road where the student thinks you're going to be paying a lot more than you are. Um, yeah, it just gives you more planning. The earlier we start, the more we can do to make it less expensive. See, I know a lot of like friends and family that do homeschooling as well. Do you think that conversation's a little bit easier or is that kind of timeline different for people that are homeschooling their kids? You know, it's actually, I found that I find those conversations actually more engaging and more fun for me, uh, partially because it's more unique and I just enjoy things that aren't so cookie cutter. Mm -hmm. uh, but generally those parents are more involved. Uh, they're more time invested, more more attention given to the subject. So they, they're more interested in a better result rather than, as opposed to just kind of floating through the system and taking what you can get as you go. So yeah, I love the homeschool parents. They're, they're really fun. Awesome. 
Um, let's say there's students that want to travel outside of like North Dakota. Is the process still the same or do you have to do other things for that? Yeah, it's pretty similar. Uh, so once you get to like junior or senior year, hopefully they'll maybe have the student will have some interest in some different schools or they'll have a good maybe college counselor at high, at their high school. Um, so it's good to pick a, make a list. You hear this kind of over and over, make your college list, you know, whether it's, you'll read an article saying pick five or pick 10, um, just to pick a variety of schools that you'd be interested in that have the major or the program that you think you might want to do. Um, and completely kind of ignore where they are right away. You can pick a geographical distance of maybe three or four hours. A lot of people like to have that comfort zone of being out of the house and far enough where they're not just going to randomly stop by, but they can come back on the weekends for like laundry and food and stuff like that. But also just as important is to completely ignore how much they cost. Mm. Like when you're pre-planning, don't worry or don't care about a college that costs $50,000 a year because a lot of the time, if the student can get in, they can cost less than a public school charging wow. 20,000. Like the good example for that is Harvard. You know, you'll see articles of local kid gets into Harvard or I've had conversations where the parents are like, God, I hope they don't get into Harvard. Cause how can we afford that? It's like $70,000 a year. And that is crazy. Wow. <laughs> the people I've worked with who actually do get kids into those Ivy league schools like that, you know, unless they're really wealthy to begin with, they're paying the, the financial aid at those schools is so phenomenal that they're paying very, very little mm. to get in. It's, it's very common to not pay as much as say NDSU here, which is 20,000. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So it's not get, not paying for it. That's the hard part. It's the getting in. Wow. I have to ask you, so I know that you've been, you, you were doing financial planning and stuff, advising and things before that. And then you got into this. What was, what was like the moment that made you want to go into this? Cause I can tell that you're very passionate about it and you really have done your research and you know, everything. I just love this and I don't know much about it. So I think it's amazing that you did something and you complained, you know, completely changed into something that is so different. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a, uh... And I'm just a huge nerd about this stuff and I love it. And I, I really love the financial planning side, but it, it really, there was a kind of two specific moments. The first one was, geez, this was back in like 2007. I'd been doing the investments and watching the stock market for 10 years at that point. And I think we've all had a moment like this where you're just laying in bed at night, reading an article online and you click a link and then another link. And then pretty soon it's just random articles. So I wasn't looking for anything college related, but I found an article that was written for financial advisors explaining all the ways we were using to help families save and invest and pay for college. Mm. But it was breaking it down and showing exactly what happened to financial aid when the student got there, depending on which strategy we're using. And it was, it was so cool. It was all this new information to me, which was still blows my mind that it took me 10 years to randomly find that like the end the financial world just doesn't cover this because there's not really any money in it for them. Mm. Uh, but it was also really, really humbling and embarrassing because I looked at my existing clients I was helping and it was almost like flipping a coin. It was 50, 50, whether I was helping them or I was hurting them. Wow. And there, there wasn't really any middle ground. It was either 
I'm getting you a good return. You're going to have some extra money to pay for college, or we're doing this in such a way that we are devastating your financial aid. And no matter how much we make on your investment, you'll be getting less for college when your student goes there. Yeah. And that, that just blew my mind. Like, how is that possible that I hadn't been taught that before? So that was kind of my big moment where I started diving in. And like I mentioned, it was 2007. So AOL was big online. Yes. <laughs> there was very few resources anywhere that I could learn about this. So I ended up having to go to Barnes and Noble and getting the same book that would come out every year. Uh, wow. That for a long time. Now there's more resources, but but it took me a long time to to learn enough about it. Wow. Do you think you tie a lot of the, you know, the financial advising into the college planning? Do you think it kind of correlates with each other? Yes. It, it's so like, like I said, I'm a huge nerd for this. So all of the things overlap so much. Like I mm -hmm. doing the college planning covers, you know, how does your retirement affect the college? How does any checking or savings or if the student has a job, how's that going to affect it? Um, the mortgage on your house that can, Thing, or if you have rental properties or a lake house, um, what kind of insurance do you have to make sure, you know, a few things can screw up a plan like dying or being disabled. It, and it, the part that's really fun about this is I don't sell any of those products anymore, but I know a lot about them. Yes, perfect. So I can just be brutally honest, like this is, I don't know who told you this, but this is not a good plan for you. Or, mm. And then I can refer them to somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, wow. And I just love that. That's that's my, one of my favorite parts is I completely or as unbiased opinion as I can have. That's uh, fun. I think that's awesome because you know the ins and outs, the secret tricks and trait, you know what I mean, about the financial world. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> oh, man. And I love to share like kind of the, I call them shady sales tactics. It's one yeah. of my favorite things. It was always one of my favorite conversations with clients when I was doing the advising is, you know, be careful when you're having somebody show you something and they keep asking if they stop the conversation and ask a yes question. And if they don't mm -hmm. going until you say yes physically, um, and then they keep doing the yes and the yes, and yes. That's one of those kind of, I don't like those types of sales, ta sales tactics because they're priming your brain to say yes for the big ask at the end when they try and sell you something. Ooh, let him know, Ryan. It's so fun. A lot of my job was just playing defense to protect my clients from really what kind of can be a really awful in industry sometimes. Wow. Do you have a cool story that you'd like to share about when you got like now that you're in college planning? That you, like somebody that you helped or like a, you know just a testimony that you can share with us yeah i've got this was one of my favorite stories and it's kind of funny because fargo is not a small town but it is um i've shared this story you know there's no identifying information about people in it no names but i've run across a couple people who knew what, who i was talking about just by some of the details <laughs> so that's totally north dakota um right. everybody knows everybody so i was working with this family and they had a a senior in high school and she was a dancer. So she wanted to go to a school with a good dance program. And she had, by the time I started working with them, she had already picked her school. Mm. So it was a school in Utah and it was fairly expensive. I think it was 35 or $40,000 a year to go. Jeez. But this family had, you know, a really nice house that they were fixing up. They had a rental property and a lake home. 
Mm. What happens is that school, we can look at exactly what they care about with financial aid. So that school didn't care about their regular home, but they were looking at the rental property and the lake home. They look at those as investments and mm. five to five and a half percent of that is available for school. And they, they kind of rub their hands together. I don't know if you can hear that noise. But <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> together. Um, so what we did is um, the family had had that rental property for over a decade and the, the neighborhood was kind of declining and they didn't want to own it anymore. So they're going to, uh, the plan was to sell the rental property, um, but they wanted to keep the lake home. But this, like I mentioned, the schools will look at that and say, assume part of it is available to pay for school. So we had them just pull as much equity as they could out of the lake home, mm. um, just do a HELOC. But the problem with that is then they have this big chunk of money that the schools look at the exact same. They still think they're entitled to that for, for college. So we just took all that money and paid down their regular mortgage. So it's basically taking the money from a place that the schools can look at it to where they don't. And mm. the practical result of that is they, the student qualified for about eight or 9,000 more in financial aid each year. Wow. And we also know how like how that is broken down like how much of it is loans and grants so she was looking at six to seven thousand dollars in grants and scholarships wow every year going to that school oh. so that was huge for them just to move some money around a little bit uh, wow yeah and i guess real excited about just knowing those details and helping and then and then letting them do it wherever they want to do the business at Right. What an amazing story. And you don't even realize like how much like investments and like extra homes like can, you know, impact financial aid. And there's a lot of money that you can get from financial aid if you just do things right. And that's why we need you, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that's why I dropped all my licensing and started a new business. It's, <laughs> it's just so fun to, to be able to show people how it works. Cause most families, and I did everything wrong when I went through school. I went to a private Lutheran high school in town here and it, there's a private Lutheran college that a lot of people just go to afterwards. And that was at the time, $36,000 a year compared to the state school for 12. Wow. So I went to the state school, but now that I know how it works, I could have gone to college at the private one for less and probably got a better education. Um, do you, do you have like any um, thoughts on private or public school? You know, it really comes down to the student. Because there's such a variety of learning environments, environments that they do better in or the types of programs that they are offering. Class size can be huge. Some people are fine going to a 400-person psych class. Um, Got it. Other, other people really thrive at the 20 or less people in a, or students in a class. Mm. And it, I, I guess I should say, too, the, the college visits are really interesting. They're kind of a fascinating area for me because I – I know families will go and they, they try and cater to the students and make the parents feel welcome and make it look as fun and inviting as possible. And I'm still stuck in that kind of that mentality a little bit of if they make it too fun, like, I don't know if I'd recommend that, you know, it's, you don't really want to party. Right. But the kids, I'm always surprised they have this kind of a, I don't know if you'd call it an intuition or they get the vibe of the school when they go there. And there's some pretty hard no's and passes on schools that students thought they would like just by going to visit. And I think that's just as important as figuring out which ones you like is kind of weeding out the ones you don't want and why. So that I, is so true. Yeah, it may be, 
I don't give the students enough credit right away. And then until I remember that, oh, that's right. They're, they're pretty good at figuring this out. Right. There's something that I wanted to ask you. And I, uh, I meet a lot of people like that want to interfere with their kids' decision on their college. <laughs> Would you like when you do college planning, do you kind of have the parents do their own say, or do you want just to have the kid to just, you know, the, the person just say, Hey, this is what I want. And you know what I mean? A lot of parents like want to be like, this is the college you're going to, this is what your major is and things like that. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Cause it's always a, I kind of have to fit myself into the family dynamic without disturbing it. Yeah. Cause sometimes even the, between the two parents, there's vastly different ideas where one parent will want to pay for college because they have that for themselves or the other paid their way through school and they want their kid to do that. So I'll try and do some, you know, non-invasive education to show them that it's, it's much different going to school now than even when I went to school. Uh, mm. So, but I have run across just a handful of people where they are, the parents are or one parent usually is very in control. Um, and I've actually right. passed on them as clients twice mm. because they're, I could tell that anything I would say and recommend would probably be discarded for what they wanted to do initially anyway. Exactly. That's good. Do you think that the coronavirus is impacting people like the kids that are trying to go to college right now? Oh yeah. This is such a wild card that got thrown into an already kind of <laughs> complicated and mysterious subject. Uh, Cause really the, the big value of a four-year college over say like a trade school or a two year or, or just going right into the workforce um, isn't always the education. It's the, the social aspect. It, mm. A lot of times it's who you have met in college that determine that first job or, second right. or the promotion down the road. Um, so this has taken away a lot of the, the personal touch of schools that really the schools use to set themselves apart. And it's also taken away a huge chunk of the value proposition for them. Like if they're going to be forced to go to most or all online learning, mm -hmm. you can get the same class multiple places for much less than you would pay going to a full blown four year school. Exactly. Uh, so schools are really scrambling. Like they were kind of scrambling to keep and retain and find new students to begin with. And now this has just thrown a, a whole nother monkey wrench in there where they're, mm -hmm. they're finding ways to, cut costs without actually cutting costs sometimes. <laughs> exactly. So speaking of like uh, having colleges that you can go to for a cheaper rate, do you like the idea of, or does it matter to you about going to a, like a community college and then, and then transferring into a four-year? Cause I, I did that and I really liked it. So I want to know your opinion. You know, it really depends on the student. Um, mm -hmm. I, I personally don't have a preference, which Okay. can lead to some interesting conversations too, where I, I've had a couple conversations where I've suggested a gap year for the student mm -hmm. um, and parents really kind of poop their pants a little bit when I suggest <laughs> not going to college right away. A um, couple really good reasons for doing that. But, uh, but yeah, four year versus a two or a trade. Uh, those trade schools are such a great value and they're right. set up so well now that you have a job or you have a business that's, will a lot of times pay you to finish school while you work for them until you graduate and then take on the full-time position. Mm. And they're making a lot of money, you know, being electricians and plumbers and just kind of the, the essential trades like that. 
And what I like to tell a lot of people too is, and this is also a really fun conversation I have with parents and the kids to, and it kind of removes some of the stress because a lot of the, the pressure is to pick your job, you know, go to college, pick your career, get your degree, get your job. And it's still such an old school mentality of that's what you're going to do then. Whereas, you know, even the youngest baby boomers averaged 14 jobs throughout their lifetime. Wow. So it's always funny for me to hear older people complain about people bouncing through jobs and stuff because they did it. Uh, but to have a, to just pick something that you like and enjoy, you know, matching up with something that you're good at and just play in that area and don't worry about finding your forever job. Yeah. And they call it skill scaffolding. So you take that first job you, you enjoy and then you learn what you can and then you get another job and you kind of build up from there. Mm-hmm. So there were some really cool studies. Well, from the nerdy part of my brain, they're really cool studies um, on people specializing in immediately out of college compared to generalizing. Mm. And the people who specialize make money, more money faster. But the people who generalize and do that skill scaffolding and stick in that area of what they enjoy and what they are good at end up passing them later in life in income. Wow. And also there's all these really cool side benefits of, of being happier and less stressed and just all the things that go along with that. It's just really cool. So when I get to tell people, you know, don't worry about it. And if you want to go to trade school, you know, get that good paying job with little or most likely no debt and do mm-hmm. that for a couple of years, you'll make some really good money and you'll, you'll maybe figure out what you do or don't want to do. And you can always go mm-hmm. back to school after a while. There's no, I try to stress there's no shame in going to school at any point in your lifetime. Amen. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because it took me yeah. till I was 40 before I finally pulled the trigger and left wow. the job I really liked to take the job I love. That's so great. And we're different people too. Like when you're 25, you might really be interested in something. Uh, and then by the time you're 30 or 35, it could be completely different. And then completely different again at 40 or 45. Mm-hmm. There's just different periods and phases in your life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love being able to share that and kind of take some of that stress away. Like, don't worry about it so much. Just get through it and then just start playing with life. Exactly. Yeah. I asked the question because I wasn't sure if college planning is different. If you like, you have to transfer from community to a, tr- like to a four year, you know, I wasn't sure if the process is different for you. Oh yeah. I didn't get to that part. Yeah. So it's, it's quite a bit different than when I went to school, even it was, was kind of hit or miss. You go to a two-year, and a lot of times, maybe a little bit now still, but there would always be some barriers. Like they wouldn't always take all of your classes. And some of that was um, logistical. Some of it was by design to make maybe encourage you to go to the four-year the whole time. Mm-hmm. But now it's set up uh, where it's pretty streamlined. And there's actually a kind of a, I don't know if you'd call it a groundswell, but a movement uh of schools that are encouraging two years to actually pair up with a four-year state school. Yes. Like states are starting to push towards, I don't know if they're mandating it, but they're really encouraging it to make it really seamless where you go to two-year, all your stuff transfers, and it's it saves so much money. It's awesome. That is so cool. And we have an exciting announcement, Ryan, don't we? You're going to be giving a giveaway. Oh, fill them in. Fill yes, them in. I'm so excited. I love doing this. Um, I do this a lot for nonprofits for like 
raffles and silent auctions, but we are going to be giving away a full college planning session. And by yes. it's not just one session. It'll, it'll be more involved than that. Um, so yeah, it's about a probably one to two, maybe three hours worth of interactive time. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited. This will be fun. Cause most people don't even know what, what it is I do until we sit down. Um, so this is a fun way for me to just kind of spread the word and actually do cool stuff. Can you give maybe like a couple points of like what you're going to touch on in the college planning session? Yeah. So it, it really depends on the age of the student, but one of the things we do for everybody is even if you have a one-year-old, what we do is we would run you through the financial aid process. So that means we would look at your income for both parents, uh, assets, all of those things, all of your financials, run you through the formula, and then we'll pick a list, you know, like five different variety of schools and run you through the financial aid at each of those schools. So mm. it's a good starting point because then the parents will learn how, how it works for one, but then also to see how it works specifically for them and their situation. And then you get, instead of the sticker price, you get a more accurate price of what it would cost you after getting grants and loans. Um, so that's Sorry. kind of the first part. But then if they're interested in any sort of, you know, putting money away, saving or investing, we can go through and talk about how each of, each of those options will affect financial aid. So we try and do things in a way that will qualify you for the most when the student gets there. Um, and like we mentioned before, I don't sell any of this stuff anymore, but I can walk mm -hmm. you and show you what the best stuff is for your situation. Exciting. And so with the virus happening, can you do all this like on Skype if they're like, they can't get to you? Yes. I actually really love doing Zoom meetings, uh, Skype. Um, actually, it started to be a little over half of my business is out of state anyway. Good. Um, so yeah, it's really fun. That's awesome. Okay. And then is there any social media that they can, we can find you on? Yeah, you could check out my website is gocollegesmart.com. Um, I am starting up a podcast. It's not up yet, though. Um, I am on Facebook, also under College Smart or gocollegesmart.com. And if you have any questions, you can email me directly. It's info at gocollegesmart.com. Awesome. And I like to spring this on every person I interview. It's like a little bonus question. Okay. <laughs> so my motto for my podcast is, you know, just because you were ill, just, because, you know, you can't be dope. So dope is like cool, you know, awesome. And so I like to ask people, what is the most coolest, illest thing about you, Ryan? Like a cool fact about you. Cool fact. Okay. I recently stepped down, but I was the community outreach coordinator volunteered for a pet rescue in town for six years. Oh my gosh. You have a story, a quick story for us. <laughs> yeah. So um, I got into that because I, when I was doing the financial advising, I realized working from home, I, I went from being super social to super boring where I would just work and then I would play games on the computer at night. Um, so I went out in the community and I found a couple, a whole bunch of nonprofits. It's amazing. Once you say yes to one, you make friends with nonprofits everywhere and you want to help them all but I <laughs> narrow it down to the pet rescue. And, and when you work in pet rescue, so anybody else who does that, you'll understand this. You slowly accumulate animals. By doing that. <laughs> so I have kind of capped out at two dogs and three cats. So I have a, mm. a dachshund Australian shepherd mix, which is interesting. It's like a giant wiener dog. 
<laughs> and I have a Great Pyrenees, which is the massive, oh. the polar bear, basically. Oh, my heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. What? That is so amazing. That was so fun. I spent six years doing just tons of events where I started a coffee and cuddles program where I would bring in animals to different businesses so all the employees could come down and take a break and de-stress. And then it just exploded where I, I felt it was a wasted opportunity if it was just us. So I would invite like high school groups where they could help mm. marketing and volunteers and they'd get out of like a half day of school for it. Uh, yes. Just bringing in as many groups as we can to make it more of an event instead of just here's some animals. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that <was> so fun. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that is awesome. So before we end, um, is there anything else that you want to tell us about you or about your your journey and things that you do? Boy, I would just, maybe I really like the idea that you don't have to know what you want to do at really any point in your life. Mm -hmm. um, and you're a perfect example. You know, you've lived it. Yeah, it's been just super random and things have worked out pretty well. I I've met some amazing people and done some really fun things. And I, I don't know where my future is down the road, but I love this and I'm hoping to do it until I retire. Aww, that's amazing. Can you tell us your website one more time? Sure. It's gocollegesmart.com. Yay. Oh, this is awesome. Thank you so much. And I am so excited to do the giveaway and we will talk to you soon. Sounds great. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Have a good day. You too.